Welcome back to another episode of Survivor Worldwide. We're back here, myself and Riley. I know you guys have heard our opinions the whole season. You know exactly how we feel about Australian Survivor. Brains versus Brawns, but we've got a very special guest panel here today with quite a few new faces that you wouldn't have seen on the show before. So uh, I think it's only appropriate, Riley, that we introduce everybody here today. And we'll start off with one of our newest members here on the panel, um, Bree. If you could give us a quick introduction about yourself, uh, um, a little bit about where you're phoning in from today and also what's your favorite survivor season it can be australian international any season that you've ever watched and also who's your favorite player all right so i'm brie um i've forgotten everything that you wanted me to say but <laughs> um i'm phoning in from melbourne australia so woohoo to lockdown um <laughs> And my favourite season of Survivor, ooh, do I go with the US or an Australian one? Um, I think I have to go with Heroes vs. Villains um, US one. Just You just cannot go past that cast and just everything about it. Uh, and favourite player, of course, if I'm saying Heroes vs. Villains, is Parvati. But then I also have a soft spot for Sarah Lucina as well. Yeah, all all very good choices. Heroes vs. Villains, mm -hmm. I believe, was the number one Survivor season on the Rob as a Podcast um, yeah. you know, seasons that they did as well. Um, if we can also do Michelle, and then when Michelle's done, uh, Annabelle, you can do an introduction as well. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, coming in from Sydney. I run the Australian uh, Survivor fans group on, on Facebook. Um, I've watched for 20 years. My favourite season is also Heroes vs. Villains. And my favourite survivor is Sari. Great. Love Annabelle. that for you, babe. Hi, I'm Annabelle. I'm a crushaholic based in Melbourne, Australia. Um, my favourite season, ooh, it's a toss-up between the second modern season of Survivor Australia and Gabon because baby girl loves a hot mess. Um, and do not force me to choose between Nick Iadanza and Stephen Fishback. Oh, we damn. are in a very committed three-way relationship, and <laughs> in polyamory, there's no hierarchy in relationships, babe, so that's it for me. You you sort of took the next question out of my mouth because I was going to get you to choose between those two um, as well, so good on you. Um, Adam, do you think that Annabelle will be welcome on a podcast with Gideon after mentioning uh, Caban as one of her favorite seasons? Absolutely. Expect a message shortly after we finish here. Oh, slide straight into my DMs, baby. <laughs> Adam, uh, so I guess to finish it off, what's your favourite season of Survivor and who's your favourite player? And then Riley, um, sort of finish us off here as we go uh, around the table. Yeah, so um, I'm Adam. Thanks, uh, Chris and Riley, for having me. Uh, fun way here to cap off um, an interesting season. Uh I'm I'm calling it from New York City right now. Favorite season? Um, gosh, I, I was gonna say Nicaragua, but Riley's gonna take that, so I'll <laughs> give him Nicaragua. Um, no, I guess I'll just I'll I'll hop on the heroes versus villains train. Um, favorite survivor player? Um, haven't seen any of her episodes yet, but I'll go with Sydney Seagal from Survivor 41. You've got oh. reasons for that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I'll, I'll hop in. I, I'm from Sydney, just like Michelle. Um, my favourite season. Nicaragua is up there for me. Um, I, I, I do appreciate it, but I have to go with the majority. Heroes versus Villains is just way too perfect not to call it my favourite season. My favourite player of all time, though, does come from Survivor Nicaragua, that being the winner of that season, Fabio Berza. I just love how underrated he is, the, the blonde jock, and he just went all the way to the end and won. Yeah, like listen, I I love Fabio as well, but I can't I can't endorse that message. Myself and Riley have been disagreeing about things on the podcast the whole season, so um, I'll continue to be the person that goes and sort of similar to the winner of Survivor South Africa, I'll walk in my own footsteps and not follow the line here, um, and I will go with Kage Yan as my favorite Survivor season because my favorite player ever played in that season and won it the first time as well, Tony Vlacos, and it was such a crazy game. I'm similar to Annabelle that I just love hot mess seasons, hot mess players. Like, keep it exciting, please. I don't want boring TV. And Tony definitely um, was the mad scientist and probably still is the mad scientist of Survivor, in my opinion. Uh, no one else can play the game uh, the way that he does play the game um, and also the way he adapts and moves throughout the game. But we are here to talk about Australian Survivor. We're here to talk about Brains versus Brawns, um, which I'm really excited to get into it. Um, and I think the best way for us to start off here is what did we think of the theme Brains versus Brawns this season? Obviously, it was a theme that was taken from the US without beauty being in it. We made a bit of a running joke, myself and Riley, that Australians don't need a beauty trap. They've got a bunch of beautiful people. So why, why include that there, right? But um, what did we think of the Brains versus Brawn theme? Do we feel like they did it justice throughout the season? Um, and I think we will start off here with Adam. I know Adam, you've got pretty hot takes um, for this. You'll, you'll do the. You'll be the coach Drew for us this specific mm. podcast. Okay, cool. I'm honored. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, an interesting twist. Um, I like that they didn't choose bronze that you know didn't have any strategic minds. I feel like amongst the bronze, um, there definitely was people who. Uh, had a lot of strategy and, and similarly with the brains it wasn't a bunch of people who it wasn't a, a tribe full of georges of people who just didn't compete because if you had that obviously the the Braun tribe would have just wiped um you know all the ch all the challenges um but no i thought it was a an interesting twist obviously they dropped uh the the beauty side that uh, the u.s had but um i feel like they also chose great times to uh mix it up and and do the merge so yeah no I, I i liked it i wouldn't be um you know i do have some strong feelings on the season but uh as far as the theme goes i wouldn't be disappointed if they did it again Michelle, what, what was your feelings about coming into this season, knowing that they, I mean, I, I just mentioned Kageyan as being one of those top seasons, but a lot of people don't look at Kageyan as, I guess, brains, brawn and beauty. That's not what they remember from that season. But what, what did you think of this season and Australian Survivor sort of following in the footsteps here of the US Survivor bringing this theme to the Australian version of the show? I actually like that they didn't have a beauty tribe. I thought it's just not necessary. As, as you said, there are enough beautiful people that can, you know, be in both tribes. I thought that um, especially a few of them could have been in either tribe. It wasn't very delineated. Um, I mean, of, of course, Y can only be in the Brains tribe, um, but Baden could have been in either. There were, there were a few that could have crossed over, so it wasn't as black and white as I think it could have been. But it was still, I thought, a great cast, a great, um, you know, variety of players. 
Mm. And Brianna, like, do you have anything that you want to add to sort of the, the, the theme as a whole and maybe the players that sort of played in that uh, Brains and Bronze tribe? Were there certain players for you that you thought, why are they in this tribe? How do they fit in here? For instance, like off the top of my head, I can think of a few, but um, I do want to give you an opportunity here uh, to sort of give your own opinions about this. Um, I think like the theme wasn't too bad, but a, a lot of my issues with especially the brawn tribe was the fact that half of them were just bodybuilders it's like come on there's a lot of different types of brawn you can encapsulate here and you've only managed to put in a gazillion bodybuilders like you saw them all at camp and they're all doing their um curls using bits of wood and whatnot it's like come on guys you could have picked a bit more variety like in terms of like mental toughness and stuff like that as well like if you really wanted to even up the tribes anyway yeah, Annabelle, someone that probably looked quite closely at everybody doing those workouts out there on the beach. Um, what did you think of this Brawns and Brains Tribe this season? Let me tell you, honey, I had no issue with the number of bodybuilders. That was an ideal number of bodybuilders for a season. Thank you. Um, look, I think Australia is on an international PR tour to try and be like, hi, we're the hottest and we're the best at sport. And as you say... It was a missed opportunity to have more of a um, the Australian Aussie battler, working class vibe going on brawn. We're looking at brains and it's like, Laura, my job's being hot on the internet. Andrew, my job is wrestling a camel with my bare hands and probably murdering people for fun in my free time. Like, where... Make my nerds nerdier. There was, it, I felt like there was a missed opportunity yeah. to lean into the theme. Riley, finish us off here with our thoughts on the theme of Brains versus Bronze this season over in Australia. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great theme. And Australian Survivor really likes to drum up those versus type seasons. Obviously, we had um, in All Stars last year, they really promoted the strategic players, the challenge base, and all that, and pitting them up against each other. And obviously, we had champions versus contenders for a long time there. Um, I loved it. I, I thought it was one of the one of the seasons from the US at least that would translate perfectly across to Australian Survivor, and it did just that. And I think at the end of the day, we saw that both tribes were pretty evenly matched. Um, and yes, there were some players who could have gone both ways, like Janelle being on the Braun tribe. Um, I'm still not too sure how being a vacuum cleaner um, really translates to Braun too much. Um, but you know, it's always yeah, always interesting debating where these different castaways go. I think with um, her being in that tribe, it probably comes down to what the, the ladies were saying about that Aussie, Aussie battler, the, the blue-collar mm -hmm. workers over in Australia. They kind of put her in there, but they put her into that tribe as one individual that kind of stood out across. And I do agree with everything that the lady said in regards to it. Just I felt like you know a lot of them were the same person. They were all Instagram influencers, all models. You know, um, mm -hmm. A lot of them potentially did this to better their own social standing. Um, maybe not the love for the game wasn't the first thing there and that's one of the reasons why for me personally and we'll we'll get into this next um the person that stood out the most in each tribe i guess that left pre-merge uh for me that person uh, i could think of two people in the bronze tribe that i really gravitated towards uh prior to the merge and one of them would be simon because i know simon is an actual fan of the show yes he was a bit of a bodybuilder um you know i'm sure annabelle didn't complain about him walking around in his speedo quite a bit on the beach but you know he he actually did bring a lot to the show and i think that he's a player that i would love to see come back in the future and get another opportunity he he was outplayed um at that specific point in the game but i also think it's because as a 
fan of the show, he didn't think that that move was going to happen at that point because it wasn't a great move. And we discussed it on the show. Like Danny really, in my opinion, made a really bad mistake voting for someone that was never going to go against him um, at that point. And then the other person here for me in the Braun Stripe that I really thought um, potentially could have done really well, but maybe it is because... I don't think she's the biggest fan was Shannon. And I think it's because uh, myself and Brief spoken about this before. She um, gave me that Sarah Tilliki vibe. She's had the same look. So I kind of gravitated towards her due to that. And I thought that she would be an even bigger player than what she ended up being. And actually, there was a lot of big characters if you think about it, because Big D was another really fun character um, also in Bronze that, that went before um, the merge. And for the Brains tribe, uh, I think that maybe, you know, the... The brains were such a cluster. Uh, they were a mess, let's be honest, before um, the merge. But Joey was a fun character, someone that I enjoyed seeing on the show, maybe someone that you know could add a lot. I know there was a lot of controversial and people saying, oh, you know, he's trying to be like a Luke Toki on the show. But I think he, he didn't even know who Luke Toki was. He wasn't a fan prior to playing, which I have on good authority. Um, so he was just his own person, but people were putting those comparisons out there. Um, to keep going around the table here, Bree, who were the players within these two tribes that sort of stood out for you here in the pre-merge? Uh, players that you potentially would love to see come back, players that you thought there were some missed opportunities with them. Uh, were there anybody else? Are you in agreement that those are kind of the players that stood out? Well, you already stole Shannon from me. Um, uh, as soon as, at the moment, I think it was even before the season had started, I saw Shannon, I was just like, yep. Queen, can't wait. She screamed Sarah Telecki at me. And I was sitting there, I'm like, you got this. And then, like, the first episode where uh, her and Flick were teaming up and whatnot against Simon, I was like, oh my God, like, this is awesome. And then she got so focused on trying to get Simon out. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Do not throw your game away like this. And then, of course, she continued down that path and resulted in her getting booted. I'm just like, really? He has so <laughs> much potential. Like, Oh, just, it was so frustrating. Um, other than that, um, I think all of us were really excited to see Phil play. So when Phil was unfortunately in the position of that crazy-ass twist and ended up being first boot, I think we all bit gut-wrenched, let's be real. Michelle, what, what was your thoughts here, um, you know, in, in the pre-season, well, the pre-season, the pre-merge, I guess, with the players? And were there certain players that you gravitated towards that you thought maybe they were cut a little bit too short? I agree with uh, Bree on Phil. Uh, such an unfortunate twist to go out the way that um, they did at that spot. But, um, Michelle, what was your thoughts? I was shocked when Joey went out because Joey was such a character and I thought, God, he would have been good to see later on after Merge as well to see how he played. Um, yeah, I was I was really sad when Joey had to leave. And and Simon, I mean, you voiced it yourself. Um, Joey and Simon, I think they could have been big characters, but I think they crashed and burned way too early. Um, yeah, they were they were. I don't know. They drew too much attention to themselves, and I suppose big characters do. But yeah, I'd like to see them come back. Annabelle, let's finish this off here with the uh, players here before the pre-merge. Who stood out for you? Um, I'm sure Simon was somebody that you had your eyes on quite keenly. And, or Actually, was it? I was a big D gal. Um, oh. Can't say no to a big D. Um, that said, I feel like we got enough of him. Uh, we don't need more. Though, if you guys have not checked out his Twitter, you really need to. There is a lot to unpack there um, and a lot of fun. Um, I would, however, like to super zoom 
on the Simon Speedo situation. Now, I'm not too devastated about Shannon and Simon going out pre-merge. We'll definitely get them again. But I don't know if any of you freeze-framed and then zoomed on the Speedo. I imagine you probably did. But what I thought was interesting is that he actually had his fiance's name stitched on the crotch. Which is a lot. I mean, again, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Probably not for this podcast, but I think going into a name and getting your name stitched on your man's goods, <laughs> it's a choice. It's a choice, team. Look, I, yeah. I, I, I think that's quite amazing that you have that information. I'm just trying to unpack what you have just said. Not about what was on his speedos. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not notice it whatsoever. Um, oh, no. But it is good. Good information to know. Like, I mean, she wanted to make people. She wanted to claim her her person and make sure that no one else out there was going to go and try anything. And um, listen, I don't blame her. The guy's an attractive guy going out to play a game where he's going to have to go and um, spoon with people out there. You know, uh, potentially other females you know things like that so i mean fair enough you know the girl just wanted to lay her claim on her man before he went out there to go play this game so um i'm not angry at that at all um i think gameplay wise simon had a lot to offer um so definitely someone i agree uh, we'll definitely see in the future adam what was your thoughts um on the brains versus brawns uh cast here i guess before the merge with any people that we haven't already mentioned that sort of stood out to you um any anything that you think maybe these people could have had a better game if the the game didn't go in the way that it did yeah i mean i definitely agree i think if there's probably one person from pre-merge that i feel like the the fans would want back and production would want back it probably would be uh simon um it just seemed like he was a great player and had this love for the game but it just seems like he found himself on the wrong side of the numbers like no matter which um move he would make and obviously uh going out with uh two right then he, he was he went yeah. out with two idols yeah that's mm -hmm. Um, is he the first Australian player to do that? With two idols, I believe so, yes. J okay. James Clement did it in, in US, right? I don't know who else in the US. Riley is uh, normally Kelly. most. Oh, they they're, they're the only ones from what I understand. Yeah, Kelly in, in um, season 39. But um, yeah, so obviously he's going to, similar to James, um, you know, James sort of never live that down. I feel like when you mention James Clement, the first thing most Survivor fans think of is, him, you know, holding up the two idols in his exit speech. Um, Might not be the but, first thing Annabelle thinks of, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if there was maybe one other person that I found somewhat interesting in pre-merge, I mean, I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like most of the interesting people did make it to merge. That's probably because they got the most screen time and we got to see their characters because the editors knew that they were going to make the merge. Um, but one person that was interesting at first and then kind of faded away um was mitch he sort of uh mm. seemed like at the first episode or two it was sort of like him versus george you know that whole first uh tribal council was sort of george versus uh mitch and then mitch was very relevant in the second episode and then he was kind of like the leader of the tribe and then he just sort of uh very quickly faded away and got voted off pretty anticlimactic but um, so that was that was an interesting choice, but um, yeah, I'd I'd i probably agree that Simon was probably the person I gravitated towards the most pre-merge. So I'd be 
I'd be uh, keen to see him back for sure. Riley. Yeah, I think Simon and Joey are probably the main two. Um, and certainly it seemed like JLP had crushes on them as well. Um, I don't think he hides any secret in, in who he likes the most. Um, you know, the, I think I think the big guys, the, the Luke Toki and David Gennart archetypes, um, you know, he, he often makes his feelings known about that. But um, a couple of people that weren't mentioned there, Rachel Downey, I thought was um, was someone who who I really liked, just didn't get the time of day, obviously in that minority alliance with um, with Georgia and Laura. And, you know, George was just creating too much chaos that she couldn't get past past it um and benny birdo um i we didn't get to see any anything from him at all he, he did get a couple more um he, he got a couple more confessionals than sammy did on champions first contenders too but if you go back and watch his little um pre-season package the whole thing he is such an eccentric character living the high life in la um as this you know multi-millionaire type person so i would have loved to see that sort of um that energy translate to camp but we didn't see anything of him really um, so a shame we didn't see him, but I, I think that's one of the things of Australian Survivor is often you get those players who aren't edited too much, which is always a shame. because we've got a lot of King George in the preseason, but um, not too much of the likes of Benny or Chili Philly, which was unfortunate. It's really funny you mentioned Benny because um, he he is one of the players this season that I actually had a couple of DMs with. Um, super nice guy, super nice guy when you actually chat with him offline. And um, the thing with him is it's really funny because his bio said that he went through this whole journey of getting rid of all you know earthly possessions, and you know he he sort of doesn't see the value in it. And then you see this package of him living a high life. It kind of doesn't match up. So um, and and I had chats with him prior to the season starting. So because um, I was trying to get some interviews and things like that lined up, which he was super engaging and things like that but um yeah interesting character um i don't know if i want to see him back necessarily but you know i definitely agree with rachel i think rachel had a lot of potential she worked with she showed a flexibility that you need in survivor to work with quite a lot of different players at different times within the game um and i also uh, would love to know more about her relationship with Haley because it seemed like in that early stages, her and Haley were the two people that were sort of pivoting within the middle. Uh, potentially, Rachel had that way spot with Haley at the early starts of the game where they could move together, but she kind of got split. And, and, you know, that's the thing about Survivor. Sometimes you get swap screwed and you get into a, a swap situation that you just can't get yourself out of. It's not because she was a bad player. She just ended up landing in that position and that time in the game. Now, I do want to talk about the elephant in the room. And I know that the this is where Adam is going to have a lot of opinions and we're definitely going to start off with you, Adam, on this one here. What did you think as a whole about the twists this season? Because there was a lot of twists this season, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I think there was too much, uh, to be honest. Um, Coming from an American? <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, and I agree with I agree with you. By the way, I'm I'm just saying that jokingly because I do think that this season jumped over the US when it comes to twists. But sorry to interject and and sort of stop your train of thought there. Yeah, it's. I feel like even compared to US seasons, I don't know if maybe David versus Goliath had more, but I don't know. I feel like this this might be the the season that I've seen. Um, there's still some South Africa and Australian seasons I have to see, but it seems like this might be the season that has the most um, twists. And it seemed like uh, a lot of times the twists came at a time that was so beneficial to sort of the golden boy or the face of this uh, season, which of course was George. It seemed like every twist that came, came to somehow save George. Um like when Kara gave up her idol to save George, she like conveniently was like, 
oh, it's you're not actually eliminated. You're just on the other tribe now. Um, um, I'm trying to remember some. There's, there was so many twists. I'm like having trouble even um, remembering all of them. But um, the yeah, one I where, can add to uh, that. the one player, the one player, I think it was Andrew, was the only person who got to vote. Exactly. Um, and then the uh, the smashing of the urns. Um, I don't know. It just it just seemed like anytime George and I don't want to take anything away from George because I think he played a great game and the main reason that he got so far was because of the moves he made. Uh, but it just seemed like he and Kara found like half the idols. It felt like and maybe that's just because they were looking for it more. Uh, that's what the edit has you to believe. But like most U.S. seasons, people will come out and say I looked for four hours a day and, and on tv it, it, they showed me they never showed me um looking for it once so i don't know it just 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 seemed like every twist was designed and engineered and inputted in the game at a perfect time uh to save george um obviously he didn't win so it didn't matter anyway but um i don't know i i, I think there was quite 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 a bit too many uh, and, sure. and there's too many idols overall too yeah yeah i mean there was a one point i think myself and riley were joking like six episodes and there were more idols in the game at that point than people eliminated um which was quite funny <laughs> to see i think it was yeah. like six idols already in the game and five people yeah. eliminated and this is a fact go back and check it uh, michelle um what's your thoughts on this season full of twists uh don't have redemption rock if it's only going to benefit possibly mm. two people or one person um, have it going for at least half the season so a lot of people get a turn there and it's, it doesn't look like you're favouring a couple of players. Um, right. The urns, a little bit sketchy. Did they all have the same message in them? You don't know. They, You know, that's what a lot of the fans were saying. And um, swapping the idol after you're voted out, no. Just no. You can't do that it's it's got to be out so that people play the game to flush an idol and it goes i know some people like the idea but then an idol possibly doesn't ever leave the game i and then no one else can ever find an idol so mind you there were so many idols that that wasn't the case it didn't mean that one went out and then you could find another one you seem to be able to find an idol at any time <laughs> yeah Bree, you've been uh, shaking your head in agreement throughout both Adam and Michelle's conversation there. Uh, what do you want to add to this uh, around the twists this season? Um, so I remember seeing one post, funnily enough, in Michelle's page talking about the urns. So obviously at, uh, when they had the four urns, nothing was there, but then um, Flick managed to get the safe one when there was three and they were contemplating the idea of what if there wasn't anything found when there was two and that means that you definitely know at the next tribal council you go to that someone's going to be safe like what happens then and it's just like would the production really let it get to that point or is it rigged to a point where you're going to let someone be saved whether it be when there was four urns three urns or two urns left like it's just mm. an interesting sort of idea to contemplate 
Yeah, no, no, 100%. I mean, I thought that exact same thing when the urns were there. I was like, well, they could just swap them in and out. You wouldn't know what's in there. They can do that in any way that they want. I, I wasn't a fan of it at all. I know that was probably like a last-minute thing for them there because they lost someone due to Medivac and they and they needed to scramble to make up the episode slots and things like that. Um, Annabelle, if you can finish us off in regards to the twists, what was your feelings? Um, were you high or low on them this season? I strongly disagree with everything that's been said. Papa Valley, pour a dirty martini and chill out, babe. Stop asking Survivor Australia to be something it's not. Uh, you want an authentic Survivor experience? Go to South Africa. You want to see its bizarre sequel? Go to America. Australian Survivor is the Survivor-themed mm -hmm. daytime soap of the Survivor um, experience. You know, you're all like, oh, my God, Haley's dead. Wait, no, she's in a coma. Wait, no, <laughs> she came back. It's, like, appreciated for the hot, dirty mess that it is and, and stop asking it to be the authentic experience that you're going to get elsewhere. It's drama. It's mess. It's passions. That's what it is. Yeah, I, and I fully appreciate what you're saying. I mean, myself and Riley, we've been talking about it the whole season, and Riley has, like, you're, you're going to have a friend in him. He's going to agree with you on everything here, and he has said that the whole time. He said this resonates with the Australian audience and what they like yeah. to see in reality TV. And, Riley, you've got some stats for us there. Can you talk us through what the ratings have been like this season compared to other seasons? I know you've looked into that for us, and maybe the twist has got something to do with this. Yeah, well, I think to Annabelle's point, um, we, we've seen Australian Survivor time and time again. They have to fill that 24-episode void. And with only 24 people, they always have to come up with these non-elimination twists. And I do, agree, I do agree with Michelle to an extent where if you're going to have Redemption Rock, make sure it's known and make sure that it's you know prolonged over a, a certain amount of time. Um, and I've actually advocated for Edge of Extinction on Australian Survivor in the past just because it's an option or, or similar to Redemption Island. It's an option where it's a known quantity and it gives everyone a fair chance to get back into the game as opposed to just having, you know, at one point, um, uh, Sean and Daisy go to Redemption Island and they fight it out, or in this instance, Haley and Baden. Um, so making it more fair in the future would be great to see. But, I mean, yeah, we, we know with Australian Survivor, they love their production darlings like their Georges. So we can put our tinfoil hats a little bit and, and speculate whether it was in his favour or not. But... Um, yeah, I, I sort of echo the opinion of Annabelle and say that for Australian TV, you need a lot of drama, you need a lot of unpredictability. Um, you want those advertisements where you're talking about Sue's big move or, or what's going to happen next, and keep people on the edge of their seat. On the edge of their seat. Um, to the point of ratings, uh, I think this season was a bit of a unique one, where Australian Survivor was actually third in its time slot every week. We've always lost to the Block, um, Australian Survivor. The Block's always been the king of Australian reality television. But I think in the first couple of seasons, 2016, 2017, we saw that we weren't getting much of a much of an audience. So we saw champions versus contenders come in and we got, you know, the likes of Matt Rogers and um, Brian, like these household names come onto the show, Commando as well, um, to attract casual audiences to the show. I feel like now after All Stars, we got a solid enough audience of Australian Survivor, casual fans and super fans that they're now getting, you know, over 700,000, 800,000 watching every single episode and they might still be coming third in their time slot um but australian survivor is winning the demographics at the moment which is probably the most important um terms uh, it's probably the most important ratings aspect in terms of advertising dollars which is always great to see and they also get a lot of viewers on template as well so um if we want to discuss the numbers uh, and i'll get into that here i've got them in front of me 
Um, it would be the Australian Survivor is the third best show on the 10 network after The Masked Singer and MasterChef. So I think it's it's great to see that it's really solid and it's built its place in on 10's calendar now. And from what I've heard, we might be getting two seasons next year as well. So hopefully in the future, Australian Survivor continues to perform strongly in the ratings and we can see it, you know, go on, on and on forever like we've seen in the US and we don't have to worry that it might be cancelled sometime soon. Yeah, it's, it's all interesting points. I definitely noticed that a lot of the casual fans over in Australia have really loved this season. They don't care about the things that a lot of super fans care about in regards to Haley being voted out, coming back to win the game, you know, things like that, which we'll definitely discuss. You know, a lot of the twists that happen in there, they seem to really gravitate towards it. Um, things like the edit, which was very lopsided this season. Um, a lot of casuals don't really care. They only want to know who are the two or three people they need to care about. Um, so I think this season is the season that breaks, uh, broke the camel's back for me um, in regards to Australia. Survivor. I was always fighting against it. Even in this podcast, I was coming into it saying to Riley a few times, I don't like this. That's not great. But I also did say, you know, the things that were good, I did enjoy. You know, it wasn't like I was just being negative the whole time on the podcast, I hope. Um, but I was definitely trying to fight for what I like Survivor to be, old school Survivor, like Michelle Schertz says. I know you guys can't see it at the moment. I'm really into that sort of old school vibe when it comes to Survivor. But you know, I think Australian Survivor is its own thing and it is a good product. I mean, it is fun to watch and it is Survivor. Like if we have to have a season like this one with the unpredictability of twists being thrown in there, at least players that go out there and play the game now, they shouldn't be under any illusion as to what type of game they're going to go and play when they go on the show because it's been this way for a long time. Um, I do wonder though, where do they go from here after having had so many twists, so many crazy things? Like um, we've seen the evolution of US Survivor over years and years to get to the fast-paced game that we've got in the u.s right now they're once again going to evolve this season you know going into a new era of survivor with a bunch of new game dynamics and twists and things like that um, australian survivor i'm interested to know where do they go from here how do they continue to up the ante in regards to the twists and things because it feels like they're already doing a lot so i i hear both sides of the argument 100 on this now let's get into yeah you go for it i i, I I think another thing too is, um, you know, maybe the the amount of twists isn't the the main thing. It just it seemed like a, a lot of the twists that came this season, sort of. I, I don't know if it's true, but it it almost felt like they were coming up with them as the season went on, as opposed to like I said, David versus Goliath had a lot of twists, uh, but it seemed like it was. It just kind of felt like everything was planned to a T before the season and. A lot of times they threw twists on players before they would have had a chance to sort of plan around it. Like the urn thing, I'm pretty sure they told them the first time about the urns uh, when they came in to tribal council that day. So if they had told them beforehand, they might have planned a completely different vote or the the uh, the um the twist where just Andrew got to vote. Um, you know, if they had known, oh, there's a chance just one person was going to vote today yeah they might have come and uh you know done something completely different as opposed to like david versus goliath you know carl found the idol nullifier way before the vote happened so even though john didn't see it coming carl and everyone you know they came together and they had a plan okay this is how we're going to uh sort of take advantage of this twist they had a, a whole plan coming into it uh whereas with this season it just felt like they were told the twists when it was too late to react to them 
So. I hear you on that. And and for me, um, I think I came on the podcast saying like the one twist, the thing that I absolutely hated, like the one thing if they bring it back, I will still be very critical of it next season was the whole Andrew one where they were told three people were going to get immunity, three mm. people were going to be allowed to vote. So, you know, that's what JLP said at the challenge. Go into the tribal council and say, listen, no, now we're changing it to one person only because mm. they know that some of their favorites, like George and them, were in danger at that spot. Mm. And they needed Andrew because Andrew is good at making fires, a survival specialist. He most likely is the person that's going to beat everybody else at a fire making type of challenge. Um, you know, to change it last minute to make it one person only vote, I think was um, the most unfair twist that I've ever seen in Survivor. Like more unfair than Edge of Extinction, in my mind. More, and I hate Edge of Extinction, more unfair than. <laughs> redemption island because you've got one person that decides the faith of like you know what 10 other people in the game that's not what survivor is survivor at the end of the day is a social experiment and your social capital should count for something uh, if you're the unlucky person you're playing the best game but you've pissed mm -hmm. off one player in the game a player wants you out at that specific spot i i don't like that twist like i can i i agree with a lot of other things in regards to the twists and understand why they're doing it but don't bring that twist back in my mind and same and same thing i feel like if they would have told everyone that twist before the challenge um mm. that it was just gonna be one person i feel like everybody would have tried a lot harder at the challenge to win. yeah for sure yeah, because it's just too much uncertainty going into that tribal council. Mm. Um, I do want to. I do want to address the. Um, I guess the end result here with getting a Haley win, someone that was voted out. There's a lot of opinions out there. I guess from what I've seen, we had our own um, little poll going on with our listeners and things like that. Uh, it looks like it's very much like a 70%, 30%, 30% of people saying George was the better player, 70% of people saying Haley was the better player. A lot of people rating Haley to the point where they're saying she's the best to ever play Australian Survivor. Um, where do you guys all sit in regards to that and i guess annabelle i'll start with you um since you had the hottest takes for us here in the previous you, you've stolen adam's spot here with the hot takes on the panel uh what was your opinion about uh Haley's game overall and how she won the show i'm i'm thinking you're probably quite high on it because you're leaning into the way that the game's, game is played over in australia at survivor yeah i just want to um apologize to adam and and confirm you're still really hot um <laughs> I didn't mean to steal your limelight. Um, yeah, look, I was happy with it. Uh, love Haley. Don't care that she was voted out and came back. I mean, so did basically everybody in the show, I guess, except for George. Um, I did just listen to a George deep dive with Ryan Brink. Love him. Um, and, you know, I loved George as well. In fact, my father, who is a hardcore casual, said that um, George is the only person he's ever loved more than Russell Hance. So <laughs> we celebrate the small wins, people. We celebrate the small wins. Um, but George also came out with the hot take that there is no such thing as a social game. Um, so I think, you know when you're going in with that attitude and I agree like George had a really great strategic game um George never got voted out if that's something that you care about in the survivor soap opera um but I think when we're looking at this as a survivor soap opera and you're giving it a little bit of leeway Haley did a great job and fundamentally that was a jury full of juice heads and you play to a jury full of juice heads 
it matters. You have to appear to validate their game. And if you're looking at them and saying the challenges don't matter, literally the only thing that you guys are good at doesn't matter, then I'm sorry, honey. Like you're not gonna, you're not, you don't deserve the win. So I love George. I would die for Dougie, his um, his doggy, but I'm more than happy with a Haley win. Michelle. Um, look, I loved Haley from the beginning. I loved her before it even began. Um, I had chats with some survivors before it began. Um, being a super van, I knew she did a lot of research. I knew she wrote notes and um I want players, I know this is controversial, but I want players who actually prep for the show. I love that Cara did, um, she did like self-defence for if she had to do um, wrestling or anything like that. She she learned how to make fire. Um, she looked at a lot of shows as well. You know, George did a lot of um, workouts, lost 20Ks and put on muscle, you know, all three of them, I think, kudos to them for actually getting ready for the show. And although Haley was voted out, she was my favourite player. Whether I would have felt the same if it was someone else and they won, I'm not sure. I think Haley and George's games were very similar, except George let himself down in the social aspect. And if he was up against anyone else except Flick or Haley. I think he would have had a much better chance of winning and probably would have won. Um, in saying that, I think he played a great game. But, you know, to what, like, like Annabelle said, the jury was very brawn, all about challenges. He needed to pander to that and he just didn't. Yeah, 100%. I mean, doesn't it really talk, talk to the season when you've got two really strong players like that Brie at the end going up against each other? And there are some fans, like I said, the majority of people are saying Haley is definitely the better player. She deserved the win. But there are still a faction of George fans out there that are very passionate about George's fan, uh, uh, George's game, I guess, um, as well. Doesn't it talk to the strength of the season when you have got two strong people here at the finale, probably the two best players ever to make a finale together um, in a final two, um, doesn't that talk to the strength of the season and specifically, I guess, you know, where this is going to rank ultimately in everybody's minds when they think about Brains versus Brawns 10 years from now? Yeah, like that final two, I like just the way George was promoted like pre-season and during like the pre-merge, everyone's like, he's going to go early, blah, 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 blah. He might go early merge and then it kept going and he was still going and which like, is he actually going to make it to the end? Like, and it, people started like figuring out like the way the story was going. This is all explaining like his massive downfall at the end, potentially. Like, it was just, I, I don't think anyone really expected George to do as well as what he did. Um, mm. So, to watch that unfold was quite, like, quite frankly, just remarkable. Uh, in terms of Haley, I'm definitely more of a Haley fan because, like, she was booted out. Yeah. That's, that's, as Annabelle and everyone else has been saying, it's a twist in the game. You've got to deal with it. She was booted out. She was booted out unanimously. And she came back in straight away. No other players had been booted. And she made it all the way to the end. All everyone had to do was to sit there and agree and be like, same person is going to go and we can continue playing the game from there. That's all they had to do. 
But nope, the brawn got in their heads and started picking each other off and she just slid straight on through. So you know what? I give her all the credit in the fucking world. Like, let's be real. She did incredibly. Um, in terms of George, like, you can say, yeah, he was lucky, yeah, he was not lucky, blah, 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 blah. Um, quite frankly, I enjoy his game a lot because he reminds me of, I, okay, hot take, if this was a USA-themed season where I feel like the USA values strategy a lot more, not so much the social game and not so much the challenge aspect. I mean, you look at players like Suri who are admired like No Tomorrow, I almost feel like if it was a US the like season, George would have won. Yeah. I think I think that's a fair point. And I think we're gonna go over mm. to Adam now next with his perspective as a, a US fan. And um, you know, what, what do you think of George's game in regards to where because I haven't actually heard that in the way that Bree just put that out there, but I think that's a it makes me even think about my own views about this season and maybe what do I value more in a season of Survivor as well, and how much the US Survivor may have influenced me growing up watching that show as the you know the show that sort of started it all yeah i agree with um with what brie just said i i think in a in a u.s season um george would have won potentially even uh unanimously um it's you know you could make the argument that like oh chris just won somewhat recently uh mm. but i feel like chris's situation was um a little different than Haley's in the sense that you know uh Haley sort of left and then came right back whereas Chris was spending the whole game uh with the people that would have eventually voted for him with the jury um with and, you know they didn't have to worry about challenges or strategy they sort of had all the time in the world just to get to know each other um and then of course Chris came in and sort of played this flawless uh game in the last in the, in the finale episode with the fire making so it's uh, it, it's kind of hard to compare Chris with Haley just cuz the seasons were so different uh the players are just so different um so I really just wanted to have my opinion of Haley as a winner and George as a run up runner up without comparing it to other seasons cuz I feel like there really isn't a season that I've seen that's like the one that we just saw. Um, it's weird because the edit would have led you to believe that George was the biggest threat to win uh, the entire time. I know Chris, me and you talked about this. Uh, we had a long call talk right after the finale. Um, both shocked. <laughs> yeah, both, both pretty shocked. Um, even though you had called Haley uh, to win from early on. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if George really was this huge threat to win the game, and of course there's people who are like, we got to get George out, we got to get George out. But it seems like most people wanted to get, based on the confessionals we saw, wanted to get George out, not because he was a huge threat to win the game, but just because he was so sneaky and untrustworthy. So there's a big difference between wanting to get someone out because, oh, they're going to win versus, oh, they could screw up my whole game. And if you look at it, and I know I, I, I told this to you before, uh, Chris, but uh, Haley had the opportunity to take George out um, when they voted out Emmett. If, if she would have voted George, George would have went home. Uh, both the first, the first time Flick got voted out, she could have picked George for that one. Uh, when Way got voted out, Haley could have put had could have eliminated george when Kara got voted out she could have picked george and then obviously um uh, at final tribal council again um or not uh, the final tribal council where they voted 
uh, she could have got George out. So there was like five or six times that Haley could have gotten George out, but clearly she thought that he's not the biggest threat to me to win the game. Um, whereas the audience is pro- was probably thinking, uh, based on what we saw of George, um, like how can you not get this guy out? He's so clearly the best player out there. So mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 uh, you know, I. I I think you need to talk to Haley is what you need to do um, and ask her. You I've know, reached why, out. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you get George out? Because she had six opportunities to do so. And obviously it was the right decision. Um, you know, I feel like I would have voted for George. And that's such a weird thing to say because they were out there for 48 days and we saw, you know, only whatever, however many episodes it was. Each episode's like what an hour long. So we're seeing a f- tiny fraction of what's actually going on. There's so much that we miss. You know, George's game looked so great, but most of what you saw um, of it was uh, through his confessionals, where other people obviously aren't watching those confessionals. George was sort of the narrator of the season, whereas mm-hmm. Haley did a lot of moves that were up front that everybody got to see, like... Um, the move she did i can't remember if it was pre-merge or post-merge but it was after i think it was after the first tribe swap where she told everyone she had an idol and was going to play it i thought that was mm. the single best move of the of the entire season so yeah i feel like i would have voted george but that's based on such limited uh knowledge of what happened throughout the season um, and i want to add to what like- you're train of thought is there because mm. like you know must i know what what riley's thoughts going to be he's going to agree with all the girls in regards to Haley being the best player and all that but and we'll get to him <laughs> to to add to that and me and riley we had a bit of a conversation even with the survivor south africa finale which i won't spoil names and things like that adam hasn't watched that season yet he will catch up and we had some opinions about why a certain person won that season versus another person and you know i found myself both times on both finale recaps saying that i would have voted for the runner-up of both seasons and I feel like when you look at Twitter and the online universe, you almost feel like you're not allowed to say who you would have voted for because there's so much hate if you don't agree with the winner. How dare you not agree with the winner? The winner is the best player to ever play this game. How can you say you would have voted George? You're an idiot. Why are you a Survivor fan? But I agree with Adam in regards to the fact that we don't see what the players see when they're out there, right? We see an edited show. So I would have voted for george based on the edit that i saw i didn't see his deep dive annabelle so i'm definitely going to go listen to that in fact i might not listen to it because i also will have an interview with george myself at some point and hopefully Haley, so i can get into some of that and i want it to be authentic but based on the edited show and based on what we saw and adam you bring up a great point a lot of his moves were covert it was behind the scenes the way that he moved it's not something that's visible and it also happened in survivor south africa where the person in my mind who did do a lot covertly behind the scenes moving things that wasn't as visible as the person who won that season as well. Now, do I think that both those winners are not great winners? No. It's, uh, because I would have voted for the other person doesn't mean I am unhappy with who won. I don't think that they're deserving or any of those kind of things. I just think that we need to move away as a fandom from absolutely crucifying someone if you don't agree with their opinion. Let people have their own opinion. Individuality is good. It's you know that's that's something that we should embrace you know so that's my opinion about it. Um, I I would have voted for George as well. And Bree, you made me think about this so differently now. Maybe it is because I got you know I, I was brought up on watching the US Survivor where strategy is so important. But Adam, you bring up a good point in regards to what you see and what you don't see. Riley, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was going to say the same thing um, as you were saying there, how we were discussing this in Survivor South Africa yesterday. How yeah, the, the jury sees something different in the game 
as opposed to what we see in the game because um, we're watching yeah everything that happens on the show um i think yeah i'm always going to defend queen Haley. she was my favorite preseason she was my winner pick in the preseason um so i'm glad she went all the way to end up winning um i think the i think adam was saying this um how why why didn't she take out george at a certain point and uh, she said this at final tribal council and, and Xander davies brought this up in the chat as well um the reason she didn't take out george was because she knew that she could beat the brains in the challenges the whole way through and that was something that the jury valued as well so um by not siding with emmett and instead flipping back to the brains and and working with them throughout the whole duration she knew that she was i mean because george and way um, we, we did see Wei win an individual immunity, but they weren't as competitive in the individual challenges as Haley was at that point. So she had a much better chance to get to the end against those guys than she did against the Braun. Um, so basically, she did basically drag George to the end to an extent. But then again, George did play a great, um, a great strategic game. And I really do respect George as a runner-up. And I know I've spoken a lot of shit about him. Um, uh, he knows. He's coming for you. I know, and I'm really excited for the boxing match between George and I at Bankstown Sports. We're still working that that working that one out, but um, yeah, no, I think George played a great game, but Haley played the better game. She appeased to the jury, and she won those challenges, which was ultimately what the jury wanted to see. Um, I, I don't think it was just the challenges as well. I think she played a better social game. She had the relationships with everyone, and she adjusted her game after being voted out. And yes, I know, Chris, you you put a massive. Um, red flag on Haley being voted out in the game, which I do agree to an extent. But um, you do look at the times that George was saved by all those advantages, whether it be the the safety pass at the beginning of the game or the secret idol or whatever it is. Um, Haley Haley adjusted her game after she was voted out and came back, lessened her threat level, and sat behind George and ultimately worked with the person that voted her out of the game. So I I give her kudos for that. You can only play the game that's in front of you. And um, I've said this on the podcast as well a few times that, you know, when we start doing our player rankings at the end of the season and the off season, I look at players and winners as two separate things. How do I rate this person as a winner? Were they like a top three winner of Australian Survivor or not? And are they a top three player of Australian Survivor, Survivor basically? You know, the best player doesn't always win but the best person always wins, if that makes sense. Like, I do respect who wins at the end of the day. I do respect the opinion of the jury because they know more than us. They were out there. They felt a certain way playing with this person. They get, you know, it's kind of like when you work with people. I think we all can relate to this now, being on Zoom calls and Teams meetings and things like that. And similar to how we interact here right now, you can only get that much from someone over a screen on a computer or on a TV screen. But if you're spending every second of the day with this person, you're sleeping next to them you're snuggling with them you know you you hate them because they've got certain things in the morning that pisses you off in their routine you know that's a different level of gameplay that is happening out there on the island that we as viewers cannot understand so that's why the jury's opinion of who's the winner always matters more than any fan's opinion uh doesn't mean that you can't have your favorites doesn't mean that you can't disagree with the final vote um i am a lot more careful about calling juries bitter these days because we don't really know what a bitter jury is and what isn't a bitter jury. Like we can see, like we had one very salty member um, in Survivor South Africa's final tribal council, which I live for. But you know, in general, you know, you know you've got to give credit to the jury out there when they're making these decisions on who's going to win the show. Um, so I do want to make another quick round here um, to cap it off on both Haley and George. Um, and I want to hear if you guys sort of give us an opinion. Where does Haley's win rank for you um, in Australian Survivor compared to others? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, don't worry. 
she's not going to, she might listen to this podcast. So <laughs> Michelle, you might have to be kind if you've already spoken to her a few times, but you know, where does <laughs> Haley's win rank for you? And is George the best to never win? Um, I, for me, Haley is number one winner of any Australian season uh, just because she was an all-rounder. The fact that she was voted out and came back in is a little glitch for me, but I will still rank her number one. Bree. Oh, I'm really just tossing and turning between PR and Hayley and to an extent Christy as well. Like I just... I've never really had like a number one, number two, number three in terms of Australian Survivor because they've all played such different games. Mm. Um, and oh, I don't know. Like I, I fully respect Haley's game. I fully do. Um, and I think considering the game that she was dealt, yes, she screwed up and got herself booted. And yes, she was lucky she had Redemption Rock. But you could say the same thing about the final four when they were all half booted or saved by gazillion idols and the rest of it. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think the one thing that stands out for me with Haley over someone like Pia is the fact that Pia had a meat shield within Janine, whereas Haley was working more so. I mean, you could argue to an extent that George was her meat shield. You could argue that. Um, but I think people knew she was more of a threat and still did not get rid of her. And I think that stands out with her specifically more so over someone like Christy and Pia. Yeah, flexibility. Haley had that flexibility. I mean, Pia wasn't tested in that same way, so I get where you're coming from um, in regards to that. Annabelle, how do you rate Haley's win? Where do you put her in your winning rankings? Uh, actually, before I go on, Brie, what do you think of George and also Michelle after that? Where do you guys think George ranks as a, as a non-winner? Do you think he's the best to never win? Do you, would you have him in your top three? Is it still Luke Toki, or do you have someone else? Um, I... Oh, see, George's social game is so bad. Um, what is a social game? I, that doesn't exist, according to... Uh, I, I know, I know. That's that's <laughs> why it makes it really hard to say that he's the best to never win, um, just for that fact. Um, best strategist, think, maybe? Yes, uh, definitely. I think he's one of the best. Mm. My thing with George is the fact that you've got to understand... your your cast basically and that is the one thing that George majorly failed at because you consider the ordinary Aussie as it is we value mateship and being kind to each other how no matter how stupid it may sound you mm. like it's fine to respect but then if you go that little bit further you get that reciprocated and the fact that he went in very early on into that final tribal and was like yeah, you just got to respect me because I outplayed you all. Like, especially to the brawn who have egos, that hurts their ego. They're not going to vote for you if you do that. Um, I think I, I'm still trying to figure out what would have been the best way for him to go about it, that he could have won over a few more votes. But it makes me wonder whether he really did do that damage very early on on the Brains tribe. Yeah. That makes sense. Annabelle, do you um, have an opinion? On, I'm sure you do have an opinion on Haley's win and also George's um, runner-up game, I guess, here and where he sort of ranks for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have never 
pretended to be a strategy analyst. I'm a lifelong Survivor fan, but for the story and for how people make me feel. Um, and I was really emotionally invested in this final two. I was really emotionally invested in Haley's win. And I love George and nothing would bring me more pleasure than to go clubbing with George. Um, so Especially with those dance moves, right? He, he had oh. that. I mean, I feel like he could teach me a couple of things on the dance floor honey him and i i don't have the hamstrings that he has no (laughs) i know i could not drop like he does um so for me this is the final two that i have cared most about and i've been most there for um and so yeah love love that if i'm ranking best for me best isn't who played the best game strategically it's who who brought me the most joy and these guys they spark joy, honey. So number one winner, number one never to win. Is yeah, that what I'm hearing? Totally. For for Australian Survivor, yeah. Love it. Love it. Lean into it. Um, Riley, what what is your opinions before we go to Adam here? And also we'll put a little asterisk next to Riley and I'll do a little bit of shaming here. He's never watched All Stars yet, so you can't really rank her against David. Yeah. But oh, you know, outside of that, um, where do you rank her? as a winner and also where do you rank george here as a runner-up and potentially someone that has never won the show that's my number one secret chris you're not you're not allowed to reveal that everyone's supposed to think that i've watched all stars um it's certainly i i find it hard to rank winners because every winner has a different game and as Bree said you've got to play to the cast like for me fabio being my favorite player i don't think he's the best winner of all time um but when people discredit him i say he played the perfect game given the cast he was in I think Haley played the perfect game given the car she was in and George fell down a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned before there that the best person always wins the season, but the best player doesn't always win the season. And I think that's um, – Annabelle made this comparison between Russell Hance and um, and George Mladenov before. And I do think George is – I've said this a couple of times. George is kind of the Russell Hance of this season. He did mm-hmm. play a great game. He played a very um, balls-to-the-wall game, but he didn't have that social capital in the game. Um so I think he falls down there. But yeah, I, I struggle to compare how he how he compares to someone like a Phoebe or a Nick or a um, Matt Tarrant or a um, Luke Toki in terms of his standing as one of the best to never win. So I'm not sure how I stand there. Um, I'd say he's definitely one of the top players, definitely one of the top characters of all time. Um, not sure how he stands in terms of his game. I'll, I'll give him top five at least. Um, in terms of Haley as a winner, I... Yeah, I haven't seen David's game, so I'm not, I'm not too familiar with that. Um, my number one winner going into this season was Pia Miranda, but I think Pia's biggest downfall was she's one of those players where she can be voted out first or um, or win the game. I suppose Haley also has that same argument with her. She did attract a vote at the first tribal council, so it's hard to say, and she does have that massive drawback in the fact that she was voted out. Um, but I look at that with a minor asterisk and I say, yeah, Haley played the most perfect all-round game she was perfect socially. She was friends with everyone in the game and always working in the middle. She had that opportunity to flip to um, to Haley and Danny at a time and also, you know, to work with Emmett, but she decided to go with the brains in the end. So I think perfectly flexible in terms of the social aspect. The strategic aspect, she was down pat in, especially leading up to her vote out. Um, she was very aggressive, but then obviously that caught up to her, but she came back within the circumstances of the game and adjusted her game and went to the end knowing strategically her best um, aspect of the game was the physical aspect and she could beat out uh, the rest in those challenges so 
yeah, I'll, I'll put Haley number one, but yeah, I do need to watch All Stars, so I'll get around to that maybe in the off season, hopefully. Yeah, well, we'll go over to Adam now, and Adam has seen less seasons than Riley. He's only seen Champions versus Contenders two, the best season out in Australian Survivor, and also this season um, of Australian Survivor. So you can only compare, I guess, Luke's game to potentially a George's game as two players that were great that didn't win their seasons, maybe even a Dirty Harry who also um, is up there as a great player who didn't actually get to win that season. Um, and then, you know, Pia and Haley. how do you sort of rank uh, Pia and Haley and potentially George versus some of the great players you saw play the other season? Yeah, I, I really liked uh, Pia's win. I thought she was a great winner. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if I have to compare it to that season – I probably would say Haley was, uh, I think, the more... It's hard to say better winner, but I would maybe use the word a more impressive winner. Uh, what she did, that the moves she made that led to her win impressed me more than the moves Pia did that led to her win. Uh, George, George, to me, is uh, a thousand times better of a non-winner than all the people that, I guess, didn't win, uh, especially someone like Luke. Um, I just feel like George um, was under threat of being eliminated pretty much every single vote and still received a lot of votes, but never, obviously never did get eliminated like Haley did. Um, if I had to compare it to U.S., don't, don't shoot the messenger here, but I feel like if uh, this was a U.S. season, I feel like Haley would probably be one of the most disliked winners um, because, you know, I get, I know I said earlier, I didn't want to compare her to Chris, but I feel like if this was a U.S. season, a lot of people would compare it to Chris and over in the U S it's sort of like when you rank every winners, it's like, it's really, you're just ranking all the winners one to 39 because Chris is sort of just, you know, way, played way a different game there. again, again, don't shoot the messenger. I don't know if that's my belief, but I feel like that's, almost everybody over in the u.s's belief so i don't feel like Haley would have translated as a very popular winner in the u.s me personally if i could like as a player up against as a, yeah as a how player, do you look at it as a, as a player like i mean like i said winners and players are different right so mm -hmm. you can have Haley come back quite a few seasons i think as a player she's probably how would you rank her as a player not a winner in the u.s how would i or do, how do i think she would be perceived how, how do you how do you think she would be perceived as a player not as a winner uh better better than a, as a winner but i still feel like in the u.s she she wouldn't be considered um like a great all-time all great player um again i don't i don't personally agree with that um I, I i would say Haley, if it was a u.s season it would it would probably be you know more towards like a mid-tier season um it just seemed like she was so well-rounded which almost never happens with u.s players I feel like every u.s mm. winner sort of has like the one thing uh that they're the best at and like that season was like i think rally was saying this is like every season there's something different like in samoa we had one of the greatest if not the single greatest strategic minds who's ever played the game but that season the cast was not looking for a strategic player they were looking for a social mm. player that season um in the australian outback we had one of the greatest if not the single greatest physical games we've ever seen but that season was not looking for the best physical player. They were looking for the best social player. So Tina. Yeah. Won. So um, it's, it, it's really hard to make these. It's fun, but it's really hard to make these comparisons. Um, personally, I think it, it's, it's undeniable 
that even though she got voted out unanimously, that Haley's, I don't think anyone disagrees that she's not um, a, a great player. And uh, yeah. it'd be interesting to see her back because I feel like she's sort of in the Michelle Sophia position. Or I don't agree. I think she's too. I think she's too big of a threat coming back. Um, yeah. Within the Australian Survivor community and within the circles, I mean, just look at what we've said right here now. Like, I mean, four out of the six of us have already said she's the best winner. I believe, unless I'm misrepresenting something here, a lot of people think she's up there, potentially the best winner in Australian Survivor. So I think if she comes back, her threat will be ginormous. I also think that in the US, um, a player like. A Haley who won as many immunities as she did. I believe she won four immunities by the end, which is mm-hmm. um, just one short of the record. It's up there with some of the best. Um, also, she played some idols correctly. Uh, she's a very strong female player, which the, a lot of the US fans really resonate with. I actually think she would be a super popular player, but I do agree as a winner because of how she won, as because of that bracket, they probably would look at her game separately to that. Um, but that's why I like to distinguish between what is Haley like as a player and a winner. Um, and like you said, it's all at the end of the day, we're representing, we can't represent the whole country. We can't represent all of Australians and say, hey, the whole of Australia will say this or the whole of the US will say this. We're sort of speculating on what we think people's opinions are out there from what we've read. Um, but I am going to disagree with everybody here to a certain degree in regards to who's the best winner. To me, David Gannat's the best winner. Let's stop the madness, guys. I mean, come on. The guy dominated his season. You know, he he made the season boring like the best players do. Rob, Boston Rob, when he won Redemption Island, made the season boring. You know, um, Kim, when she won her season, made the season boring. Um, Rob Bentelli in Survivor South Africa made his season boring because he was the best player. When the season is boring, it doesn't translate into a fun season for viewers sometimes to watch, but it shows you how much of a control that player has on the season, how much they dominated. And I don't look at David Gannat's win and say, oh, well, David Gannat also got voted out in another season, so we can now look at them at the same. No, it's two different games. Like, I look at Tony Vlakos and Kagian as one of the best winners ever. Winners at war, he's definitely the best winner ever in my mind. Um, and then in Game Changers, he's one of the worst players to ever play the game. You've got to look at it individually and say, these players, the game they played there, where does their win stack up? Um, and it is hard. I do get it. It's hard because there's different players, different people would perceive it differently. But for me, uh, I've seen a lot of this out there, a lot of people thinking she's the best player. She, she is definitely one of the most impressive winners in Australian Survivor. There's just no no ifs or buts about it. But Riley, you need to go watch All Stars um, so we can do a retrospective on that season and do a deep dive because really, David Gannat, even if he made the season boring, you know, to some people, if you're not a David Gannat fan, he still, at the end of the day, dominated and his amount of flexibility that he has in the game because i mean the guy and i don't want to spoil too much here for riley but the guy had to find a way to the end and he didn't have a solid road pre-merge and only really after the merge he really found himself in a spot where nobody could touch him but he had to move around and he didn't have just one core alliance all the way through from the pre-merge stage into the merge he had to actually move and be adaptable like someone like David Kanak can be. And I think Haley has proven this season, you know, she is someone that when she gets voted out, she comes back, she changes her game. She's adaptable. She's flexible. That's what we want in a, in a winner and in a great player. So for me, you know, definitely the number one player. But I also want to go and do another quick round here. I'll probably touch on um, with the three special guests here, uh, Adam, if you don't mind, uh, on this one specifically. But who, what did you guys think of Australian Survivor playing um, in Australia the location, how did you guys feel about this location? And how do you feel about the fact that we're going to see another season over in Australia? Um, do you think that this was a good advertisement for Australia? Um, if international viewers watch the show, do you think that they would have gained some additional uh, 
you know, things from watching the season play out there in the Outback. I know that Australian Outback was a very popular season back in the day in, uh, in the US. I don't know how it sort of stacks up now, but it was big when it played back in the day. Bree, what did you think of this location and also knowing that the next season is going to be back in Australia again? I honestly love the change up. Um, like just the different, just the different scenery in general. Like you're so used to seeing so many seasons, whether it be South Africa, whether it be US, whether it be Australia, they're all on beaches. You know that the all the idols are going to be somewhere hidden away in the trees, and you had a different scenery. And like in like in terms of idols, for example, like the whole area was so open, it made it really obvious you were searching. And like you talk about. Like, I mean, I've said it a lot in terms of, like, is it sort of rigged for George finding so many idols? But he was constantly on the bottom, so it was sort of like it's okay for him to be searching for idols. It's expected, but if anyone in the majority is seen searching for an idol in such an open space like that, like, what happened? Do they get targeted because they're, like, they're looking for an idol when they should be feeling safe in a majority? Like, there's so many different ways you can potentially look at things. Um, in terms of future seasons, yeah, we can do a couple of these, but I would still like to show off different parts of Australia. I think that would be really cool um, while we're still doing this anyway. Annabelle? I was obsessed. Um, I emigrated from England when I was five years old. True wild Thornbury's upbringing. We lived in a caravan traveling around Australia, bird watching. I have some iconic photos of me aged nine in a little fluffy purple sweater going down the mines at Cloncurry. Um, I teared up watching the intro in episode one, the wedge-tailed eagles in the sky. Um, it was everything to me to be able to see this. And I loved it. It just, it, it made me feel so emotional. And I agree with Brie, like, let's go see Kakadu. Let's go see the Kimberley. Let's go see, um, you know, the West Coast of Australia, where it's some of the best beaches in the world. Mm. I, um, oh, it just sparked a level of joy I was not getting from endless Fiji. And yeah, give me, give me more of this, honey. Michelle. Um, I know that when it was first announced, the fans were not really happy. Uh, they wanted the Fiji whole experience, the sea. Um, but as it went on, they, were, they loved it. And I know a lot of fans want to go to Cloncurry now, and I'm, I'm glad that Cloncurry is actually thinking of making a, um, a little area where you can revisit mm. it and sit at the Tribal Council. Um, so cool. I love the the intro, as, as Annabelle said, the intro was just epic, um, seeing our great land and uh, I, I love Fiji, but seeing our land and seeing the, the grand vistas and and the animals, I think, and the red dirt, I think it just it pulled at the heartstrings and I wouldn't mind seeing another one. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a different area of Australia, which I know they're going to, but it's still not. Um, near the sea where they are. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I think it brought back a lot of memories of US season two for me. Uh, I was hoping they weren't near any dry creek riverbed. Um, <laughs> and, and, but I, I, I did enjoy it. I did, and, and I'd be up for another one. And um, I just wanted to quickly add on to the end there, Chris, about your David Gannat. Um, do you think he is a better player because he fixed his mistakes from his first season? 
Um, Haley's playing this the first time and David is playing it the second time when you, you deemed him to be the best. So I'm just wondering if that's helped him in being the best in doing it a second time. Sorry, I had to add that on because no, it's no, oh, I love it. I, no, no, I, lo I love, I love the question. And, um, you know, you, you, I, like, again, like I said, I look at the winning games as separate from the player having played three or four or five times. I just look at it, who played the best winning game? And I think that his winning game was more impressive than Haley's winning game. But you bring up a very valid point in regards to, similar to Haley, he had the opportunity to learn. And in fact, he probably had more opportunity to learn than Haley because I know from having spoken to Pierre that he was messaging Pierre quite a lot for advice prior to going on that show and Janine, and they were giving him advice in regards to how he should approach women differently in the game and how women operate and they share information and things like that with each other because he was trying to play the women against each other in his first season. So definitely he got some insights that Haley wasn't privy to because Haley had to adapt and adjust on the fly. So I think what for me what would be the more interesting conversation is is Haley or David Gennard a better player? I think that's how we need to look at it. That's where I differentiate between a winning game and a player, which I don't think a lot of people do. I think that yeah. David Gennett is a better winner or and a better he had a better winning game in his season than Haley. I think that's undisputed. But maybe a very good off-season podcast, Riley, when you've watched All-Stars, will get into who's the better player between a Haley and, and who's the, the top five players who we think probably are the top five players in Australian Survivor. So um, I don't know if I can answer that on the spot. I would want to really look into that. Um, mm. But I think it's a fair comparison, and, and it would be pretty tight between both of them based on what you just brought up. Um, mm. I also Sorry want to. Going off track. No, I love it. I, I love it because it also broadens my own thinking in regards to how I'm sort of thinking of both their games, and I think that it will make for a very good discussion. Uh, I think off season to sort of analyze their games a little bit more deeper. I won't have Annabelle on for that one since she wouldn't probably find that too interesting. <laughs> but um, we'll we'll look into we'll look into um, the strategic game for both of these and what they did out there and what their whole body of work. Where do they sort of rate as players? Um, I also wanted to touch on the next theme for next season here. Uh, Bree, how excited are you about Blood versus Water? Is this a theme that you've enjoyed watching over in the US? What do you think we can expect for this next season? And if the producers are listening to this show, what one thing should they do differently next season to continue to elevate this show? Um, I love this theme. I think about the US seasons and I love both the winners from both the Blood vs. Water themes. And oh, you've just got to really nail the cast. You've got to have a wide variety of different relationships um, just so you could explore that angle. Um, but at the same time, don't just recruit a lot. Like you want some personality through like whether it be strategy, whether it be social, like, yeah, you recruit some people if you want um, so you can get those viewers and you get, I suppose, to an extent, maybe a little bit more of that physical angle that they tend to get with their recruits. Um, but try and find that balance because I think like I think you've got a really good season on your hands if you can get the cast right. All starts with the cast. I agree with you. And Annabelle, someone else that would definitely agree with that as well. Annabelle, what are you looking forward to in Blood versus Water? Um, and what would you like? You know, obviously the cast is a major thing there. What else would you like to see the producers sort of throw at the table and see how that works for the season to continue to elevate the show? 
Okay, so obsessed with the um, theme. I also love that because they probably will go hard on the recruits, um, we're not going to see what we've seen in the US where they've kind of worked it out, where the singles stick together once um, their counterparts voted out. So I think that that will kind of be a fresh, it'll be like doing the theme for the first time. Mm. Um, what I would love is a really hot queer um gal couple that's what would spark the most joy for me um it was amazing seeing so many complex queer characters on this season and i would go i would lose my mind over a really really hot gay gal couple so that's what i want producers give it to me well, let's hope that they're listening to this. I think they might be um, airing on Monday, so they might have to make some last minute, or they might be recording from Monday, <laughs> so they might have to make some last minute changes uh, based on the feedback that we're giving them here. <laughs> Michelle, what do you think about uh, the theme brains, uh, well, brains, blood versus water, um, moving away from brains versus bronze, blood versus water, and also what would you want to see the producers sort of try with this next season? Well, firstly, I'm wondering if they're bringing back old players and bringing back their blood with them um, or whether they're recruiting totally two new people, the, the couples all the way through. Um, that would change my thinking as to which one they do. Um, I'm hoping... I think they're bringing look, back players. I, well, that's what I've heard, but I wasn't certain. Um, yeah, I'm hearing it from a few different angles at the moment, so I feel like there's yeah, some truth in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love something like Redemption Rock to go for longer. Um, give players a chance to actually get back in without it being called a twist um, because it would be actually a, a part of the game. Um, otherwise, take me for a ride. Let's see what you can do now. Well, Michelle, does Blood versus Water change that for us now? Because we're going to have a redemption um, island as such. You know, with Blood versus Water, someone gets voted out. They have to go and duel someone else to stay in the game. Will we see duels coming in? I mean, the show is long enough to be able to do deals. I actually think that's the fairest mm -hmm. way to do it when it comes to people being voted out and coming back in. Have two people stay there at a time, let them duel. Um, one person goes home each time and the other person joins. And will this yeah. potentially, Michelle, eliminate non-elimination rounds uh, moving forward? Maybe they find a special source here in regards to using um, the redemption rock or whatever they're going to call it next season or the arena to to sort of prevent players from not being eliminated and making it a bit more of a pure game because i know you know say what you want about australian survivor being what it is jlp is not a fan of non-eliminations either he's tweeted about it quite a bit you know he doesn't like it yeah and it brings it in in a way that doesn't make it seem like a non-elimination um, and also it tugs at your heartstrings because you think, oh, maybe my player can get back in and and you get all excited and then it doesn't happen and you're like, oh, God, I'm sad all over again. So um, it, it's good in that respect in that, you know, it prolongs your hope. Yeah, 100%. My, my advice for them for this next season, what they need to do is bring Shawnee back. You know, if they bring her back, then I'm okay. I'm all in. I will watch the season. I will enjoy it. Adam, what is your thoughts on uh, Blood versus Water as a theme? You know, what do you think that the Australian survivors could do with this theme going into the next season? I know you don't know many of the potential returning players that may come back, and we won't speculate too much on that, but what would you like to see in this next season? Yeah, I mean, really the only thing I could uh, compare it to is obviously the two Blood versus Water seasons in the U.S., uh, both of which I think are um, in like, you know, 
if you split the uh, the 40 U.S. seasons in half, um, I feel like it's in the better half, both of the seasons. Uh, specifically, the one, the the first one that had, um, the, you know, the Tyson one. So if they are going to go with um, returning players, then, you know, I I think that that's, you know, I think that's the best way to go of, of, of the two options, just based on what I've seen from uh, from the U.S. Like you said, I don't know probably most, if not all, of these people that are returning, unless they do people from uh, this current season. Um, so maybe I'll have to watch uh, all of the seasons I've missed before uh, before diving in. But um, I'm definitely hooked at this point on Australian Survivor, so I'll watch it uh, no matter what. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Riley, finish us off here with what we can expect for Blood versus Water and um, being our sort of inside man here and i put that in quotations who's rumored to be out there coming back this season and who are you excited to see yeah i'm not too sure about the rumors i mean i think we've all heard that annalise and benji might be coming back um the big question is from what i've seen um tv black box a a blog here in australia that all the inside information on australian tv they've sort of hinted that there might be um, complete returning couples. So maybe, you know, maybe we get a Seanella, um as sort of a friend couple. Maybe we get Benji and Annalise. Um, I've heard Janine and her son even might be coming on. Um, so I'm hmm. not sure whether we'll get all returnee couples or returnees and their loved ones or even newbies I've heard. So I, I'm not sure how the mix is going to go. Um, I want to see though a an actual blood versus water twist, the way it was originally intended in the US, which is having a blood tribe, which is, you know, father, son, um, sisters, those sorts of blood relations, and then a water tribe, which is um, like your Hayden and your cat in in the US version, just relationships or um, or friends, whatever that may be. ALOLM here in the chat has said Russell and Brandon Hans as a potential couple. Um, and I think, Adam, you, you know well that oh, Russell God. did not play Australian Survivor. He's not interested oh. at all in coming back. Um, a good friend of the channel. Um, I don't think Russell's ever coming back to Australian Survivor. And Brandon Hans, we don't need him on Australian Survivor either. No, no definitely not. Russell $2 million, he wouldn't come back. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I don't think Australia want to see him back on Australian Survivor anyway. So um, I think it's the feelings mutual out there. Um, But I also put a poll up, I guess, at the beginning of this um, live to see where people rated this season. What did our viewers think of it? And 38% of our viewers said that it's the best season ever. 25% says that it's great, but it's a second then 25% probably third and then 12% said lower than top three. So I get, I think the unanimous consensus here is that it is in the top three by looking at where people voted for this season. So overall, I think it was a fun season to podcast about, um, to recap and analyze. The, the one thing we didn't really address here um, and we kind of ran out of time is I, if there's one piece of advice I can give to editors going into this next season, please give us a balanced edit. Like I picked up that Haley was going to win week one. I called it. I said, this girl's winning. She's got the winning edit. I lost sort of faith in that week two because they didn't give her any confessionals. And then from week three onwards, I was like, yep, she's definitely winning this the whole time. I was very shocked when she got voted out. So I thought maybe they did do a Survivor South Africa on me and really blindsided me here. But I think that they're just a little bit too predictable in regards to who the people are that we should care about and who we shouldn't care about. Um, I understand they've got a story to tell, but when you've got 60 minutes of runtime, you know, um, on a show such as Australian Survivor, give us more of a balanced edit. Let us get to know a few more people out there. I know it's tough with 24 players, um, but at the end of the day, you know, 
more than three or four people would be great, you know, to to get to know on the show. So that would be my biggest um, piece of advice going into the next season. Um, but overall, I think we're all in unanimous agreement. Australian Survivor is a great product. We will be back next week, uh, next year for it in February to watch it again, regardless of what they do. Um, and I think that, you know, sort of as Australian Survivor ends here, for a lot of us that are super fans that love Survivor, we all started with the US. Uh, that's where it all started for us. And it's been a long off season for the US Survivor. Um, I think a lot of us have gone through withdrawals. Um, Adam on the panel here will be running or will be co-hosting with Gideon, the Survivor buffs on Reality Pop moving forward, talking about all things Survivor 41. Uh, Adam, what can you sort of tease us on what to expect here leading into Survivor 41 um, and the premiere episode? Uh, what will you guys be doing on the channel and what can we expect from this new season? Yeah, so definitely join us uh, live the hour leading up to the premiere. Uh, we have a panel of sort of a, a summit, a gathering of Survivor YouTubers. So me and Gideon are co-hosting. Uh, we have Riley there as well. Um we have Peridium, we have Idled Outs, we have Analytical Strategy, and the Survivor Specialists. Uh, we have a special guest, um, a familiar face from the Reality Pop channel, and we are going to have uh, a Survivor legend join us uh, for the last maybe, what, 10, 15 minutes or so, a U.S. A US Survivor legend. Uh, we're sort of just going to be talking about our hopes, expectations for Season 41, and give we're just going to give winner picks. And from there on out, uh, myself and Gideon will do a day after recap. So if you join us um, in the U.S., it'd be Thursdays. Uh, the day after, around noon every week, we will be recapping the episode, what we thought of it, the elimination, um, and what to expect uh, or what we hope to expect the following week. Once the season is over, we have exit interviews. At the moment, we have exit interviews lined up with at least half of the cast. Uh, hopefully we can get every all, all, all 18 of the cast to come on for exit interviews. But uh, yeah, really excited. We've been, um, we launched this channel back in February and this will be our first time covering uh, a U.S. Survivor season live. So super, super excited for that. Right, so I guess outside of Survivor US, we're continuing our recaps of The Big Brother. That should come to a close pretty soon. The Big Brother Block episode recaps here on Reality Pop. And mm -hmm. also The Challenge Insiders will be back uh, Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, U.S. Eastern Standard Time, to talk about the next episode of The Challenge as well. We had a lot of Survivor players actually play on that show, and I know that we've got some Australian survivors who are fans of the show. We might even get one of those Australian survivors to come on as a guest for one of our recaps as well uh, to talk about The Challenge. Um, and outside of that, we've got a whole bunch of off-season interviews happening with players that played on both these seasons. Um, and also, uh, we will be doing some off-season content in regards to both Australian Survivor and Survivors of Africa in regards to All-Stars, potential All-Stars seasons, especially for South Africa that's never had one. Um, and who would we like to see play for a second time in uh, Australia? Who are the players that have been snubbed the first time around that we would still like to see come back and play? And much more content. Uh, very special thanks to all three of our guests today here on the podcast. You guys have been great, great insights um, throughout. And um, hopefully we can make this happen again sometime in the future. Absolutely. All Thank right. You, Chris. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks for everybody in the live and catch you next time.